Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Our first reading this morning comes to us from Psalm 119, verses 105 through 112. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. 
The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The psalmist speaks about God's word being a lamp for our feet and a light for our paths. But for that to become real, we need to listen to that word. So I invite you now to hear this word as it comes to us from Matthew's gospel in the familiar story of the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out from the house and sat beside the sea. And such crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables saying, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. And that is what was sown on the path. And as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke out the word and it yields nothing. But as for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. May God's Spirit help us to hear and to understand this God's Word. Let anyone with ears listen. To paraphrase Caroline Lewis, Jesus' call to listen is rendered in the present tense, suggesting, no insisting, that hearing and listening to God's word is not a one-time occurrence, but an ongoing characteristic of discipleship. Lewis is right. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ involves a lot of listening. To listen is to learn. And Lord knows we've got a lot of learning to do. 
I suspect that many, if not most of you, have heard the so-called parable of the sower. But unless you've spent a lot of time reading, studying, and listening to the rest of Matthew's gospel, you might not understand what this parable is all about. Of course, parables by their very design can mean different things to different people. In fact, parables can mean different things to the same people, depending on the circumstance in which they hear them. So let me begin today's sermon by asking, what did you hear when the parable of the sower was read? What do you think about the sower who scatters seeds so indiscriminately? Who might the sower represent? The seeds and the differing soils. Where might you figure into the story? And how does that make you feel? And why? While you ponder these and other questions, allow me to set the stage for the story and the ones that follow it. This parable comes at the midpoint of Matthew's gospel and the midpoint of the growing opposition to Jesus's ministry. The previous two chapters are loaded with stories about people who either misunderstand Jesus or worse, oppose him at every turn. And this chapter ends with a story about people in Jesus's hometown being offended by his teaching and preaching. So, as most scholars suggest, this parable is likely aimed at explaining why Jesus and his message is affirmed by some, but rejected by others. Ironically, the meaning of this parable is not at all obvious to those who first heard it. And, I might add, neither is the explanation that Jesus offers to his disciples. Now, I don't pretend to know all there is to know about this parable. Like those who first heard it, and like most other scholars, I can only offer how I hear it in this particular moment, hoping that what I hear will somehow help you hear it in a new and meaningful way. As a teaching elder and minister of word and sacrament, I am called to sow the seeds of the gospel and to do so indiscriminately, not knowing what kind of soil they might fall on. And so week after week, month after month, and year after year, that is what I attempt to do. I sow and scatter the seeds of God's word, hoping and praying that at some point, some of the seeds will not only take root, but will live and thrive and bear fruit for God's kingdom. I must tell you, however, that it is often hard to see any sort of growth, particularly in a season like this, when so few people want to hear the truth about anything. Very few people, it seems, want to hear about the dangers of COVID-19, the persistent evils of systemic racism, or the call to do justice and love our neighbors. To paraphrase Matt Skinner, Jesus might have offered this parable in his interpretation to counsel us about choosing easier paths. He might have talked about knowing when to cut our losses or when to shake the dust off our sandals. 
He might have offered a gospel of aphorisms and self-congratulations. He doesn't. He doesn't say, stop sowing. Instead, he uses a parable to name the forces that are actively working against the word of his kingdom that we are called to promote. Evil, persecution, backlash, worry, and wealth, as if to say, do not underestimate any of these killers. They will not yield without a fight. As I said earlier, this parable is likely aimed at explaining why Jesus and his message is affirmed by some and rejected by others. Hearing it in today's context, I think it also helps to explain what we're seeing and experiencing socially and politically. It takes a certain type of soil for the truth to take root and bear fruit. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we must keep sowing seeds of truth, trusting that some of them will one day bear fruit. One of the great strengths of Reformed theology is the idea that we share a common calling, a common vocation, if you will. Though we have different skills and hold different kinds of jobs, we are all called to be sowers of the gospel, to share in word and deed what we know to be true about Jesus and his kingdom. And we are called to do so without knowing when or where or even if our sowing will bear fruit. As one commentator points out, the sower does not know in advance what is beneath the soil's surface, where the ground is hard, where the ground is shallow, or where the weeds will choke. Neither do we know the quality of the soil before sowing, but it is the purpose of the sower to sow. In looking for an image to illustrate today's lesson, I stumbled upon a beautiful modern icon painted by Aidan Hare. Hopefully, you are looking at it right now. In it, Jesus is the sower, as noted by the traditional golden nimbus around his head. But he's wearing a rather plain shirt and blue jeans, suggesting, I think, that this sower could be any one of us as well. He carries a basket filled with seeds that he bends over to scatter. A bird searches for seed at the bottom of the painting, standing on top of four mounds of soil, representing the path, the rocky soil, the thorny ground, and the fertile soil as well. But as Mihi Kim Court notes, what is so striking about this icon is the image of the sower scattering seeds even onto the text which surrounds the space on the outside of the borders of the icon. The sower crosses over and enters into a dimension beyond the scope of the parable, suggesting the life-giving power of the word not only 
to be seed, but also to be soil. This power and this work is given to us so that we may participate in the mission of Jesus's kingdom. We are not only sowers, but seeds and soil too, laboring alongside the one who calls us to that harvest that is ever in front of us. The parable of the sower knows the struggles and the failures of human life and of attempts to sow seeds of truth about God's kingdom. It is tough, relentless work, plagued by all the vagaries symbolized in this parable. But still, it falls to us to sow the seeds and to bear the heartaches that come when the seeds fall on rocky, arid, or weed-infested ground. But as Talitha Arnold reminds us, in accepting our call, we stand in solidarity with those who know the hard truth of this parable. The parent whose words of guidance and compassion fall on their teenager's deaf ears knows hard-packed ground. The businessman who produces a quality product and pays his employees a living wage only to see his clients go where things are cheaper is well acquainted with shallow roots. This parable reminds us that we are not alone in such times, even as it reminded the first crowd who heard it. But this parable also reminds us where to keep our focus on the sowing. Jesus keeps sowing no matter how dry, rocky, or weed-infested the ground. As his followers, we are called to do the same. I would be remiss if I did not point out that at its heart, this parable, this teaching, comes with a promise, one that is as shocking now as it surely must have been to those who first heard it. The parable ends with a miracle, a hundredfold harvest. To borrow from the prophet Isaiah, the word God sends out will not return empty, but will accomplish God's purposes. While reading and preparing for this sermon, I came across a story about a lady named Septima Clark. Ms. Clark taught in the segregated schools of South Carolina, but in the summer months, she served as a mentor in a program designed to bring white and black people together, hoping to break down some of the racial barriers that were keeping them apart. She encouraged her mentees to live out of gratitude and generosity rather than fear. And she endeavored to sow seeds of justice, of love, and not knowing how or if any of these seeds would ever take root. One of her mentees would later write, I am always very respectful and very much in awe of the presence of Septima Clark because her life story makes the effort that I have made very minute. I only hope that there is a possible chance 
that some of her great courage and dignity and wisdom has rubbed off on me. Clearly, it did rub off because shortly afterwards, that mentee refused to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. Her name was Rosa Parks. A seed was sown, and it took root, and it produced a long-anticipated harvest. In the end, dear friends, this parable is not so much about us as it is about God. And it reminds us that sooner or later, God will provide the harvest. In the meantime, our job, like Miss Clark's, is to keep on sowing. Go out into the world to sow the seeds of the gospel, to share in word and deed what you know to be true about Jesus and his kingdom. And know that sooner or later, God will provide the harvest and it will be amazing. Until that time, may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you and all people. Amen.